today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Why don't you turn your Bibles to John chapter 10 this morning. Got my uh, mother and father-in-law sitting on the front row this morning, Robin and Vince. Let's welcome them. All the way from Esperance in WA, where, where Kristen and I fell in love. And, uh, and look, here we are, 17 years in Noosa this year. Before we open the scripture, I want to talk a little bit about uh, bridges. I don't know about you, but I, I've got a real um, thing for bridges. Something, something pretty awesome about seeing an amazing bridge, isn't there? And I, there's one here that I took, we took that photo standing on Pontesisto in uh, Rome over the Tiber Bridge and I can see, see the uh, Italians in the room recognising it. There's the, the dome. That's another one. That's, we're standing there on um, Ponte Vecchio in Florence. looking. That's the, the, where you buy your wife a diamond on that bridge. That's that one. And then uh, the next one, that's, that's the bridge heading over to the, um, to the Vatican there in Rome. All three bridges. There's another, one more there, which is a beautiful little girls on the front there. That's in Venice. The little bridge. That's a little one. Let's have a look. Let's hold it on this one. This is not in Rome, this one. Uh, anyone know what that bridge is? Golden Gate. Absolutely. The, the Golden Gate Bridge is well is commonly known as the most famous bridge in the world. And uh, it's... When you look, you know, when, when I first saw the Golden Gate Bridge in person, you know, I, was, I stood there in disbelief that I think it's 1.3 kilometres between those two posts. 1.3 kilometres with nothing other than those suspension things holding that whole monstrous amount of steel and concrete above the icy cold waters of uh, San Francisco. An amazing thing. And um, I want to talk a little bit this morning about wonder. Because I think sometimes in life, we, we lose our sense of wonder, don't we? We, we, you know, we? we go through life and everything becomes a, bit, uh, becomes a bit busy and we're so busy trying to achieve that we don't take a moment and just stand in wonder and disbelief. To me, when you look at, when you look at a bridge like that for the first time, you stand in disbelief. How is that even possible? How are cables you know, holding, that, holding that thing up? And... And there's a, there's, a, there's a man by the name of Joseph Strauss and uh, he was the guy who was the engineer and, the, and oversaw that bill back in the 1930s. And can you imagine when Joseph Strauss went to the city of San Francisco and said, I've, got a, I've figured out a way of getting from one side of the bay to the other. And, uh, but there's going to be 1.3 kilometres between the two pylons. And, uh, you know, can you imagine him, imagine him trying to convince the city of that, that to, to join him on that journey? And all he could do was actually invite the city on a journey of faith with him. And then once they built it, he could point back to the theory and say, I told you so. There's the theory. He invited them on a journey of faith. But, you know, when they built that, they hung, the, you know, there's, I think I've got a picture Another picture there of um, of some uh, of some of the some of the uh, early stages of it. There they built a big post on one side there, and then they built the other one, and then they hung the cables, and then gradually built out the the uh, the road underneath. And and 
and this Mr. Strauss, he was a bit concerned about safety, so he got them to build a safety net under the, under the bridge that saved 22 lives. 22 people fell and landed in the net. And then towards the end there, um, some scaffolding fell into the net and actually tore the net through and uh, 12 people fell through into the icy waters and 10 of them lost their lives uh, in the build. And it, so it was, it was an expensive build when it came to human lives. But t- so something like over 32 peop- 34 people fell off that bridge while they were building it, 32 people. And the net saved 20, 22 lives. 10 lost their lives. And two out of the 12 that fell the uh, 200 metres, I think it was, into the water, uh, two survived that fall into the water. Phenomenal. And uh, so what, what, an amazing, uh, what an amazing thing. And, and when you think about it, you go, that's a pretty special piece of engineering, isn't it? I mean, there's some amazing bridges that we see around the world now that blow people away. But, but back, in 19, uh, back in 1935 or whenever it was that they built that, you know, what an amazing uh, thing of awe to stand in disbelief. Can you imagine when they hung those cables, people were going, I can't believe it. Hey, I cannot believe it. And the guy, by, I think they caught the guy who survived the fall into the water, his name was Slim Lambert. And uh, so uh, he, he would have been pretty well, pretty happy. Here's the thing with, with wonder. There's three steps to wonder. First step is we stand in disbelief. You ever hear something and you go, or see something and you go, I don't even believe it. I'm, I'm, it's in front of me, but I don't believe it. And then the second step is asking the question, how is this even possible? And the third step to wonder is standing in awe. You know, you kind of see something, you go, no, I can't believe that. You know when you watch a movie and you go, is that CGI or does that really happen? Did a stunt guy do that? Or, and these days, it's so difficult to tell. But, you know, we stand, we stand in disbelief. And then we ask the question. And then we just go, I don't even know. Let's just, let's just stand in awe of this great thing. But I want to suggest to you this morning that... Uh, the greatest bridge builder of all time was Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying in the, in the gospel, I am the bridge to relationship with the God of the universe, with our heavenly father. I am the bridge. He doesn't say I am the bridge. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the great shepherd. I am the way. I am the light. I am the door. I am the truth. He's, you know, he, he, he says, basically he's saying, I am the bridge and, and I am the pathway. I am the access that you have to relationship with your heavenly father. But it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because like Strauss, Jesus is presenting something that seems impossible. So he doesn't unpack it for us. He doesn't, he doesn't give us proof. He invites us on a faith journey. Isn't it interesting that our, our elder Robin this morning challenged us in our faith? You know, the context, the context of, of our whole relationship with God is, you know, we want proof, don't we? We want to, we want to know, you know, how, how did creation happen? We want to know proof that, that of, of every aspect of the Bible. And he's saying, well, why don't you just join me on a journey of faith? And then as you look back, you will see the proof behind you. It's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Faith is a different way of thinking. We don't get proof. If we've got proof before we act, it's not acting in faith. It's acting in reality. It's acting in today. So that's what I say. You know, coming to church is not an act of faith. It's an act of family. Going into, into, 
into the culture in Jesus' name, that's an act of faith. Don't be scared off by terms like faith journey. Just simply means to move beyond beliefs and into an experiential relationship with God. A lot of time we can have a relationship with these words, the words in the book, and not the author of the book. And we have a relationship with the author of a book when we take steps of faith. And it's when we take a step of faith that he is with us. It's when we take a step of faith to, to engage with someone on Jesus' behalf, when we, when we pray for someone, when we're, gener- when we're generous with something, when we, when, we, when we love someone who doesn't immediately appear lovable. And this is the place where transformation occurs. Transformation occurs in our steps of faith, not in our steps of belief. Belief is our access point. Faith is our, is our transformational process. We step out, we take risks, we risk being ourselves. When we do life without going through transformations at any deep level, we're living in a strategy, we're not living in a relationship. It's difficult these days to, to talk about um, the things or to preach about the gospel because we've got a, I've got a world driven by answers and by strategy and God's not offering answers, he's offering relationship. See, the city of San Francisco had to agree or cooperate with Mr. Strauss on his um, vision on his the journey that he was on. And we're the same as the people of God. We need, to, we need to get on board. We need to look for God's will and agree with him. It's like, a, it's like you're in a meeting. We are forever seconding the motion of God. We're looking for the will of God and we're seconding the motion. Well, Lord, what, you know, we wake up in the morning and our question is, Lord, what are you up today? Because I want to second your motion and get on board with your will. A lot of times when we get up in the morning, we tend to ask God if he can serve our will today. And I want to encourage you that the call is, is us to second the motion of the Lord. In John chapter 10, we'll start reading from verse 22. Now, there, there was a feast, and there was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. And it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? And they asked him, If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And this is what Jesus said to them. He says, I told you, I've told you already, and you do not believe. And then he goes on and says, The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Verse 26, But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I love how Jesus compares us to sheep because, you know, sheep are not looking for proof that the shepherd's the shepherd. They know the shepherd's voice. They follow, they follow the shepherd's voice and their hope is that he'll take them to food and water. 
But like the disciples, they go, you know, Jesus says, are you going to stop following me now? When people stop following me, and they go, no, well, what else are we going to do? You're all we've got. We, we, when, when true, a true sheep knows that the shepherd is all they've got. And then all you do from that point on, you're not looking for proof whether the shepherd you're already committed to is still the shepherd. You simply have one task, is to listen out for the shepherd's voice, find out where the shepherd's going and second that motion and get on board and head in that direction. It's very simple, but we, we keep looking for proof. You know, we go, oh, maybe, is the Lord still the Lord? What is, the, you know, how is the Lord um, proving himself today? We're not encouraging our faith until the Lord proves himself again. And he's saying, will you be like a sheep and just listen out for my voice? Look for what I'm doing and get on board with what I'm doing. At some point, we, uh, we became, society and life became preoccupied with, with telling people what to know more than how to know. We became preoccupied with telling people what to look at instead of how to see. You know, we need a church that's not looking for the next, um, you know, looking for the next answer. We need, we need a church that's bonded to our Heavenly Father. And when we get bonded to him, we're not looking for the next answer. We're walking next to the answer of life. It's a different way of thinking, isn't it? What are the, we, you know, it's not about answers. We tend to think that you know, when we agree or disagree with an idea that we have a relationship. You know, we come to church and so, someone preaches a message. You go, I agree with that. You know, this, God is here you know, because you agree with something. You know, God is God whether you agree with him or not. He sent his son to die on the cross and, and, and then three days later raised from the dead. Whether you agree with it or not, that still happened. Jesus is coming again whether you agree with it or not. It's not about agreement. Jesus is at work and his father is at work whether you agree with it or not. It's not about us agreeing with him. It's about us following him and it's about us learning to listen to him and say, Lord, what are you up to? Here's, this is the battle that we face is because we, we get caught looking with our natural eyes and not listening with our spiritual ears. Notice how, how often it says in the New Testament, Jesus says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What, he's saying that to people who are listening to him with their ears. Why is he saying that? He's saying there's next level listening. We've got to listen beyond what's, what the word is. We don't need a relationship with words we need a relationship with the Word, the giver of life, who was and is and is to come. But it's a battle to do that, isn't it? How do we begin to do this? And I want to suggest to you today, we begin to do it when we allow ourselves to re-enter into wonder. I want to invite you today into wonder. I want to invite you to look at creation I want to invite you to look at your friends and your family. I want to invite you to look at the, the amazing things that have happened throughout our lives and throughout humanity. I want to invite you to look at them and stand in disbelief and allow something to happen without you having the answer. Notice we're not happy unless we've got the answers. Now that it's beautiful, now that we've got Google, you can have a conversation and uh, you know, if, you, if there's any doubt, you, know, you can just Google it and find out the answer on the spot. Hey, we've got the answers before us all of the time. But the reality is they're only answers that deal with yesterday. They're not answers that deal with the future, with eternal life. The only thing that deals with eternal life is a relationship. 
And this is a great battle in life because relationships seem so difficult to control. I can control answers. Hey, we're looking for strategy. If I can get the right words to pray the right prayer, then God will give me what I need. It's not about that, is it? You know, we get caught in words and God says, I am the word. My, my, fa- my, mother, my mother's Italian and, uh, and my father wanted to learn Italian and he learned Italian by reading the Italian Bible because he knew the English version of the Bible so well. When he read the Italian version, he kind of knew the basic premise of each verse as he read them and learned the Italian um, learn Italian simply by reading the Bible. I thought, that's um, amazing. And, uh, but here's the thing, he says. He says, we get so caught in the English words yet that we miss the giver of life behind the actual words. We get so, so busy trying to define the Holy Spirit that we forget to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit into all truth. This is the battle. We discover God through the words on this page. You know, we discover who he is, but we build a relationship by taking steps of faith by his leading into all truth. It's a scary place, isn't it? Because, um, because we, we're taking risks. Can you imagine when Joseph Strauss said, hey, 1.3 kilometer span between this pole and next pole, and we'll just, we'll just hang the bitumen and the steel from, from, a suspension, from suspension ropes. Every bridge that is built is a risk, isn't it? We need to stand in disbelief. We actually need to allow questions in our life just to sit. We want the answers very quickly, don't we? But sometimes you need to allow a question just to sit for a while. And just dwell on, just contemplate the question, contemplate the what-ifs, you know, and, 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 then, and then begin over time. When you allow a question to resonate in your life, you begin to see the bigness of those questions. You begin to see the eternity attached to those questions. We, we look at the answers to how to raise our children. We look, at the, we look for the answers on how to make money in business. And, we, and then when you sit on those things for a period of time, when you sit on the question without diving into the latest strategy, you realise, what's the eternal significance of finance? What's the eternal significance of a child? I know when I pray for, for Arabella, I pray for her as my daughter, as my sister, and as a child and of God who he's going to use in the future. And I think I need to remind myself of the broader picture. And I'm thinking, how can I raise this child? And instead of me saying, how can I raise my child? I say, Lord, how can I serve you in helping this life come into all that you created her to be? It's a different mindset, isn't it? Because you need to dwell on the question, not just look at the latest um, teaching on, on how to raise a family. All those things are fantastic. They're fantastic tools, but we need to lead, be following the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow ourselves to stand in disbelief. I look at this little child and say, God has given me responsibility over this life. I think, what were you thinking, Lord? You know, when you stand in awe, you know, I, I, I look at the, you know, we look at these things, you know, in wonder every day. And I think of um, David in Psalms 8. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? You know, when we're thinking of, of things to be in awe about, we think of all the great things, you know, the great things in creation, the, you know, Mount Everest and, and you know, the, the, the big crack through America. What's that called? The... Um, 
the Grand Canyon, you know, and all, and all those all those big natural things we go wow and then you think about the small things that god is interested in and i think about the smallest thing that god is interested in being us and i go i think that's something to stand in disbelief about who is man you can just imagine david you know who's who was you know who who read who who rode the emotional train didn't he if you haven't read psalms lately it's good read it reminds you that life has its ups and downs and he, he says, who is man that you are mindful of him? And I think that's something to worship God about. You know, the fact that God gives me the time of day, to me, is something to be in awe of. There's a God that, has, that just, you know, you think about your life, you think about, you know, how, um, you know, how small it is in the spectrum of all history. And you think, you are an amazing God. I cannot even, I'm in disbelief that you would even take, you know, one increment of thought in my direction. To me, that something in itself is, 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 is energy behind worship for every day of my life. And I think, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, we, we talk about even if there was one person, Jesus would have sent his son. You know, we say those lines, you know, very, very um, easily. But the reality of that... You know what I mean? The reality of him laying down his son's life for us. Wow. I'm in total disbelief. And I can't answer it. I can't answer the why. I sit in the question and I can't answer it. And so I stand in awe. I want to invite you back into wonder. I want to invite you back into wonder because it's in a place of wonder that we, we allow God to insert bigness into us. If we're, not in, if we're not living in a place of awe, then we, we are going to get caught. Our thinking is going to remain too small. Somewhere you know, in life, we, over the years, we, de- we degenerated from the idea of contemplating the great questions into just looking for answers. What's the answer here? What's the answer? What's the strategy? How do we get from here to there? You know, they're, they're, they're important in the journey, but they're not big enough for life. It's important, you know, that you know how to get from here to Brisbane, but that's not enough for life. You need to actually, you need to have some relationships that go with it. The answers to, to having a great uh, uh, retirement bank account are not enough for life. Your goal between, you know, now and when, you're, when you retire, you know, is... is if, if retirement is the only thing, then it's not enough. We need something more. We need to stretch ourselves. We need to be in awe of, of something greater. So let's sit in wonder. If we don't look for things to be in wonder about, disbelief owns us and our hearts get hardened and we become sceptics and cynics. I don't know about you, but I get caught in scepticism and cynicism very quickly. It's one of those things that we almost pride ourselves as Australians. We pride ourselves in our cynicism, hey, in our scepticism. You know, we don't believe in conspiracy theories in Australia. You know, we just go, yeah, whatever. Let's, you know, those crazy politicians doing their thing. Let's just get on with our life. Who won the footy? Seriously, who did win the footy? Queensland. But how, you know, how thankful are you every day that God is patient with us? Oh, I'm so thankful. Hey. And God, I'm so thankful that he hasn't given up on his own creation. 
Sometimes you look around and you go, oh, the end times, you know, I think, the things, I think things are happening, they're stirring. Let me tell you this, God has not given up on his creation. He has not given up on you. He is, not, he is never for a moment thinking of not using you in his will. He has not given up on you. He is, he is, he is still guiding us. And here's the beautiful thing. When we believe that God hasn't given up on history, that hasn't given up on us, we get caught in this beautiful thing called optimism. How good is optimism? You know, when you go, you know, I think that God is a benevolent God. So wherever we are, we can have the dips. We can go through the dips. You know, let's not kid ourselves. We go through the dips of life. But the reality is God is a benevolent God. And I know that he has not forgotten about me. I know that he is still on the throne. I know that all things are still possible. I know that he still is the way. He still is the light. He still is the door. He still is the great shepherd. He still is the truth. He still is the light. He is still all those things. So when I'm in my dip, I need to remind myself that that God is a benevolent God and then I can think optimistically about what's going to happen next. Jesus showed the only way to freedom is death and resurrection. And Jesus had to do it and so do we. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross. And follow me. The Jews wanted Jesus to come in power, but he came in humility and with no reputation. I want to encourage you this morning that, that our job is not to identify with the power that's in us. Our job is to find the powerlessness in us and identify with the God of all power and authority. You cannot truly identify with God until you acknowledge the powerlessness in your own life. And this is the battle that we face. And Jesus showed us firsthand. The Jews wanted him to come in power, but he came in humility. He came with no reputation, the Bible says. And then he built a bridge from the side of powerlessness. Why didn't Jesus build the bridge from heaven to earth? Because he wanted to show us how to do it. He didn't want the church to become all-powerful and then connect to the broken world. He wanted the church to come in humble. He wanted us to come in low and he wanted us to connect from the side of powerlessness so that the people of the world didn't see the power of the church. They saw through the church and saw the power of God. One of the hardest times in history is when the church was, went from being powerlessness and being against all humanity and then in around 312 AD that the, the, the Roman nation made, took the church from being nothing, to from being persecuted, to being the establishment of humanity. So instead of them looking to build bridges, they started defending their position. And God says when we get too comfortable, we spend more time defending our position instead of building bridges. And Jesus says, I gave you the model to build bridges to humanity. And he's saying, bridges are not events, they're there to be walked on. He's saying, don't come to me and, and take a moment and say the sinner's prayer. It's not an event. I'm a bridge to relationship with God. It's not about the bridge. It's about access. Jesus is about access to God to, to rejoin what was lost. 
you know, we see it in humanity everywhere. We identify with our strengths, with our job. Our great one in the church is we identify with our gift. And he's saying, I want you to understand your brokenness, your powerlessness. And when you do that, then you will see true power. Then you'll be able to build a bridge to true authority. Notice how Jesus came with no authority. He came, he came with, with all humility and no reputation. And it wasn't until he built the bridge after he, he died and rose again that he could say to us at the end of Matthew, then all authority authority had been given to him after he built the bridge and he built the bridge from the side of powerlessness to power people always connect with you more on the side of powerlessness than they will on the side of power that's why things like support groups work so well because people join well around powerlessness or people you know people join uh uh, uh you know boot camps because they 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 go there you know because they want to get fit hey don't they they need someone to to they 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 they, we meet people in their brokenness and we take them on a journey to the author of life and to power when we come with no reputation we identify with christ and this is what christ is asking us to do he's asking us to step past conventional thinking conventional thinking says acquire a position of power and then defend your position jesus is saying something very different when we when we get to a position of power we go who are the evil people who put jesus on the cross let me tell you evil people did not kill jesus what killed jesus was conventional thinking conventional wisdom killed jesus the Jews were the people of God. They weren't evil people. They were just people diligently following the law. And then Jesus didn't fulfill what they thought conventionally he needed to be. He needed to be a people who was a man who was going to come and be king and dominate the Romans and the oppressors of the time. But he came humbly. He submitted to the oppressors of the day and he went low and he, and he connected with the weary and the heavy laden. And he says, if you join with me, weary and heavy laden, then we can access strength. He came in powerlessness and disrupted. What did he disrupt most of all on earth? He didn't disrupt evil. Evil is still here. He disrupted conventional thinking, short-term thinking. He says, I will create a bridge, not to a good today, but I will create a bridge to an eternal life. We're not trying to convert people from evil. We're trying to convert people from conventional wisdom. And will we stop seeking power and make the journey into powerlessness? Then God entrusts us with the wisdom of the Gospels. You notice how when you read the Bible in the early days, you know, it's, it's, a, real, it's a real struggle to get your head around it. But as you st- walk through life and as you take steps of faith, as you step into things, you know, and you look back at those same scriptures, he reveals more truth to you constantly. Jesus is saying to those people in John 10 that we read this morning, saying, you're looking for answers. I already told you the answers that you want to hear, but you will not believe them because you want something else. Even the power of God was not enough. He said, my, even my works tell you who I am. He says, I've told you who I am. My works for the kingdom tell you who I am. He says, the reason that you do not, you do not believe or see is because you're not part of my flock. First, we must take a step of faith 
a faith journey. And when we take a step of faith into that journey, then all truth gets revealed to us. The, 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 the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. First, you've got to trust the leading of the Spirit and then allow Him to lead you into all truth. Jesus, He is the great bridge builder. He was willing to stand there and bear the price of reconciliation. And here's the battle when you build a bridge. You cannot build a bridge from the middle. You have to build it from one side. And the whole gospel is saying, build a bridge from the side of powerlessness. Because if you build it from the side of of power, then why build the bridge? You've already got the power. We need to build it from a side of powerlessness and see that Christ with all authority and, God, and the relationship with God is on the other side and we head in that direction. When we go into our world, we enter low. We don't need to prove ourselves that we're cool and that the church needs our coolness. We need to prove ourselves that we're powerlessness. We're powerless and we need the great power of the King of all kings. And when we open that window, we don't have to worry about being the coolest church in town. We need to... We need to uh, we need to just be in relationship with the king of cool himself. Christ is the link to beginning a relationship with God, not the end of the journey. You say those beautiful words, believing and confessing about Christ being saviour and being raised from the dead. That's a beautiful day, but it is the first step onto the bridge into relationship with God. It's easy to be one side or the other. It's easy to be progressive or conservative. You know, we tend to over-identify with one side or the other. Notice how some people are all heaven and some people are all earth. You know, saying someone's so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. That's not a scripture. We need to be in relationship. It's the reason that Jesus said, you know, when he prayed, he taught us how to pray, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be in relationship. I mean, it's this, it's this, constant, this constant relationship. And he says, I am the bridge. Please walk on me. That's why when we pray, we keep accessing the bridge in Jesus' name. Is you walking over the bridge. You know, we, we go back and forth. We saw Jacob's ladder with the angels descending and descending. It's the, it's the bridge between heaven and earth. It's a constant access back and forth. He's saying, use, Jesus is saying, please use me. Please walk on me. When he laid his life down, what did he become? He became the chief cornerstone. He became the foundation of relationship, not the end point. We don't build a foundation stone and then get on with our lives. We build a foundation stone and we use it. We go back and forth. Why don't you stand with me this morning? If those who are handing out communion, you know, if you could do that now, that'd be great. God's calling us to be bridge builders. But he's modeling for us, how do we do it? And as we take communion this morning, I want you to be reminded of the great bridge builder of all time. It wasn't Mr. Strauss in San Francisco and the Golden Gate. It was a great day, wasn't it, back in 1937 when they cut the ribbon. It was a great day. But the greatest bridge ever built was the bridge between heaven and earth. The bridge between the creator and us. That was the great day. And when we build bridges, 
when we continue on that journey, this is, what we, this is what we're reminded of. As you take the bread and as you take the cup and you're reminded of the cost of building that bridge, Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to be bridge builders. The Bible says that Jesus could have called upon 12 legions of angels to set him free from the cross. But he didn't do it, did he? Why? Because he didn't come to defend his position. Jesus didn't come to earth to defend his position. His position was never in doubt. He came to build a bridge and he came to build it from us to God. Sometimes we need to position ourselves in a place of brokenness, in a place of powerlessness, because that's where we build a true bridge. We humble ourselves. We make ourselves of no reputation. We serve. And in that place, God can use us to build a connection to those who do not know him. Here is the battle. It's not conventional, this approach, is it? It's not conventional. So all I can do today is invite you on a faith journey. All I can do is invite you on a faith journey and ask you to trust that once you're on that journey, as you look back, you will see that the Spirit of God has been leading you into all truth every day. Lord Jesus is saying, trust me. Without a faith journey, it all becomes about seeking proof or seeking power. Defending power and looking for proof. And Jesus is saying, join me on this faith journey. Can you imagine if we stopped looking for proof and started living by faith? That's a great day. Imagine what bridges we could build. Can you imagine that 1.3 kilometer span across the icy waters of San Francisco? Let me tell you, there's some icy waters between God and the people who desperately need God. We need to start getting out of conventional thinking and start imagining some of those bridges that are in us. And it begins simply with going back into a place of awe, acknowledging the king of all kings. What is man that you are mindful of him? Lord, thank you that you have taken the time to know me, to invest in me. Father, we just come before you this morning, humbled by your greatness, humbled by your magnificence, in awe of your creation, in awe of your, of your son who you, who you sent so that we could be free. We're so thankful in the name of Jesus for all that we have. So as we consider today, as we consider tomorrow, as we consider the future of this church and our families and this community, Father, we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Flood our hearts with light so that we can see from a place of awe, Lord, that we can resonate in disbelief, that we can walk in the magnificence of your glory, not the strategies of earth. So we give you thanks and praise. And for every person in your house this morning, I ask that your blessing be upon them, Lord, that your strength be in them, that your faith guide them, Lord, in all that they do. And may they see with clarity 
the greatness of you, Lord. We thank you that you are the great bridge builder. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, the life, Lord. We thank you that you are the door, Lord, that you are the great shepherd, that you are the light. Lord, we thank you that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, Lord, and we surrender afresh to your greatness this morning. Mighty God, mighty God, we are in awe of you. Lord, as we take the bread this morning, we consider that your mindfulness of each of our lives led you to giving up your son's life. Let's eat together. And as we take the cup, Father, we are reminded that we are in covenant We are in a blood covenant with the author of life. We thank you as we drink together. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, as we worship this morning, Let's use the bridge. Let's continue to use Christ. He's saying, please use me. Please use the bridge that I've created. Please lay it down at the foot of the cross. Please lay your burdens down. Please lay your troubles down. Please lay your greatness down. Please lay your powerless down at the foot of the cross and and walk across the bridge to the king of all kings who knows you, who loves you, who created you, who will give you life. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Let's worship together, church. Amen.